Well, hello and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur podcast for this Thursday, September 24th. Coming up, we'll talk about reaction to the throne speech. We'll get reaction from the Conservative Party, an association representing seniors, and the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. All that coming up right now on the Jeff MacArthur podcast. Okay, Ottawa officially back at work today. Well, of course, yesterday was the throne speech, but uh, today is the opposition's first chance to question the government on the throne speech and really anything else since the parliament was prorogued. Pierre Polyev is the Conservative's finance critic. He is on the line and joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mr. Polyev, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. All right, the uh, Conservatives are out. What is it specifically that you didn't like about the throne speech yesterday? Three things. First, uh, the speech had nothing in it that, that Liberals haven't been promising for the last 17 years. Most of the speech was actually in the Liberal Red Book, uh, that is to say the Liberal uh, election campaign platform from 1993 uh, when Jean Chrétien waved it around, and they never implemented any of those promises. So the speech didn't do any different than they've been doing for two decades. That is promising a bunch of extremely expensive programs that they never actually deliver. Second, uh, the uh, speech is fiscally irresponsible. Uh, we now have a $380 billion deficit. That is $10,000 for every single man, woman, and child in Canada, or $40,000 for every family of four. That's just so far, and the new promises in the speech come in addition to that $380 billion. Uh, three, um, we wanted a jobs plan. Let's get people back to work. There are a million missing jobs in Canada. They had a hashtag about bringing those jobs back and a slogan, but they had no plan. They have no plan to approve the natural resource projects that await government sign-off that are privately funded and that would put hundreds of thousands of Canadians back to work. No plan to remove destructive taxes that are killing industry and jobs. Uh, and no plan uh, to um, remove the red tape and taxes that hold back our small business job creators. The only way we're going to pay our bills in this country, to put food on the table of our families and money in our hospitals and schools, is if we have workers at their jobs contributing rather than on the sidelines uh, um, uh, waiting for government help. Sure, as long as those uh, workers are healthy and able to work in the era of this uh, pandemic. Across the aisle, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says that uh, he wants to see paid sick leave. Would that make things more palatable uh, for the Conservatives, or is there anything that uh, would make uh, the throne speech from yesterday uh, a little more appetizing, as it were? I think if they were to come forward with a plan to unleash the power the mighty power of our free market system so that our 20 million workers can get back to their jobs safely and you know, build and produce the wealth that we require to pay our bills, and that would be the kind of speech that would get conservative support. As I uh, mentioned, of course, uh, you're back to work. You're back at it today in the uh, House of Commons. Uh, the NDP and the Bloc, uh, the Liberals, they need either party support uh, or their government is going to fall. Uh, should it uh, be granted? Should it be given? Uh, the NDP, the, the Bloc, uh, should they back this government, do you think? Uh, well, that's up to them. I mean, we already have an NDP prime minister in Justin Trudeau. 
Um, he's adopted all of the far-left socialist policies of the NDP, so I don't know how the NDP can criticize him. Um, as for the bloc, uh, they too share the idea that money grows on trees and government can spend what it doesn't have on what we don't need uh, forever. So the, the those three parties seem to agree on almost everything. It's only the conservatives that occupy the broad center uh, and understand that we, uh, we have to live within our means and spend only what we have so that we can uh, protect uh, our, safe, our, our cherished safety net for generations to come. Okay, clearly your party is uh, ready to vote uh, no confidence and to bring this uh, government uh, down. Do you think that uh, Canadians have an appetite for or want an election right now, Mr. Polyev? No, I don't think so. We believe that uh, the parliament should work on holding the government accountable for the Wee scandal, which saw Trudeau uh, intervene to give a half a million, half a billion dollars to a group that had paid his family a half a million dollars. Uh, we think that parliament should work on a plan to get workers back in their jobs safely. Uh, and uh, to uh, manage our finances to protect taxpayers and social programs for the long run. That's what our parliament should be working on, not getting distracted with an unnecessary early election. Did parliament, in your estimation, after what you heard uh, yesterday, what the conservatives heard, did parliament need to be prorogued? No. No. I mean, the speech had nothing new in it that Trudeau hasn't been saying already. So, I don't know why we needed to shut down Parliament for almost two months, other than that the investigation into Trudeau's corruption was getting a little bit too close to comfort, comfort to, to the truth about uh, Mr. Trudeau. So, uh, no, I don't think there was any need to shut it down. Uh, I think that other than to, to protect the prime minister from the truth and from accountability. And speaking of accountability, as I mentioned off the top, this is kind of the first opportunity. Now that the House is back, a question period is back uh, for opposition parties to hold the government of the day to account. Uh, do you plan on uh, questioning uh, the government on the uh, WE scandal day in and day out? Is that the uh, strategy of the Conservatives uh, moving forward? Or is there a sense that maybe, I don't know, the clock has kind of run out on this? No, I think uh, we still have to know the truth. Um, you know, the prime minister personally intervened to direct a half a billion dollars to an organization that had paid his family a half a million dollars. Uh, and um, he, he, we, we need to know uh, whether any the criminal code was violated, um, whether the Ethics Act was violated, uh, what other players are involved in this intricate scheme to flow cash to this group. Um, these are all unanswered questions for which we uh, will con continue to pursue the truth. All right. It goes without saying. We'll be watching with interest. Mr. Polyev, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you. Pierre Polyev is the finance critic for the Conservatives. We are keeping our promise, keeping our promise to hammer away at this long-term care, making sure that government is protecting our most vulnerable seniors during the pandemic. Let's welcome back in Bill Van Gorder, Chief Policy Officer with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. He joins us here on Global News Radio. Bill, nice to have you back on the show. Good afternoon, Jeff. Good to be here. Okay, long-term care was mentioned in the throne speech yesterday, the government indicating that they're going to look at sort of a national plan for long-term care. What does the Canadian Association of Retired Persons think about the throne speech yesterday and that announcement? 
Well, you know, Jeff, a throne speech is sort of like looking at a financial overview rather than a budget with details in. So we probably have to uh, take it at that face value. But in terms of what was there, uh, there were a couple of good things about long-term care, establishing national standards for long-term care. CARP has been asking that for that for a long time. So your postal code doesn't uh, uh, doesn't uh, control what type of care you uh, get. Uh, but that means working with the provincial and territorial governments. And we all know how difficult uh, that is. And the thing that it didn't mention that we've been concerned about for some time is we've got to stop building and supporting these huge uh, warehousing places where we keep our seniors and start concentrating on home care, community care, small option care, uh, building facilities that are all on one floor, much smaller, much easier to uh, control because the problems we've had have been with the large facilities. And that's where we need action. And we didn't hear, in fact, we were a little disappointed. We thought maybe the Prime Minister's speech after the uh, speech from the throne might put some meat on the bones of this, but it was just a repeat of the uh, throne speech. Uh, the 6.30 speech last night to the nation? Right. Yeah, okay. Uh, let me ask you this, because the devil is always in the details when it comes to this stuff. And when you hear the government wants to create national standards, that's all uh, well and good for the reason you mentioned there, Bill. But I have two questions. One is, how long is that going to take? Because time is of the essence. And two, What's the plan to enforce that, to make sure that those national standards, once they're created, that they're being met? Well, our suggestion is that they be tied to funding. In other words, the federal government set up a system, as they have in some other areas, of uh, supplying funds to the provincial governments. But the strings on those funds are is that they have to live up to certain standards and certain regulations to get those funds and, fund and spend them in the way that they were they were designed. That's the only way to uh, do it. The other thing that we're suggesting uh, it, it, that it not be part of the uh, uh, national health care program, but be a, uh, a particular uh, focus just on uh, the home care part of long-term care and regulations. Yeah, because I'm thinking about, of course, uh, inspectors, and uh, it has been uh, well detailed since the uh, pandemic first uh, broke that the uh, provincial government cut back on inspectors. A lot of those inspections were not happening uh, in person. Has that been rectified? Has that been addressed at all, do you know? Well, it's it certainly been talked about, and there was a discussion about us uh, having more inspectors in Ontario, but we haven't really tested that yet, and we haven't seen any specific uh, figures that show that those uh, positions have been increased. And, and frankly, with the uh, the situation uh, now of people moving in and out of uh, long-term care homes, uh, we doubt that's happened uh, yet, but it's something that must happen soon. It's another of those, uh, as you said, devil in the details, carrying out the action plan. Promises are fine, but we, we can't wait for... Uh, uh, for action, and you know we're obviously into a second a second wave. And have we really learned from the first wave? It doesn't look like government has. 
All right, uh, back to the throne speech, if we could, for just a uh, second, because another thing you and I have talked about uh, previously, of course, is uh, staffing and the need to uh, pay the staff uh, properly. They do some really hard, tough, and important uh, work, and uh, that they deserve and need a, a living wage so they don't have to go from uh, home to home, and that, of course, has been a, a cause, has been identified as one of the major causes of spread, of COVID spread in long-term care homes. Did we hear anything from the federal government at all, any promises when it comes to maybe helping or providing uh, funding to improve staffing? Uh, no, we really uh, didn't. There have been some, you know, there's a big problem with, with uh, all of the things that were mentioned last night. We've heard them all before. There's nothing really new there. Uh, that was the disappointing. Uh, there are rehashing of old promises without the action. So we have been promised uh, that kind of action uh, before, but we're not uh, seeing it yet. We're not seeing it uh, federally, and we're not seeing it uh, provincially. And, uh, and and we're reaching, you know, we're hearing uh, anecdotally from a lot of our CART members across the province that they're being told by workers in long-term care that, look, they suffered through the, the first wave and they did the best they can, but they just don't have the energy to continue. And we're uh, afraid there's going to be a real downturn in the number of staff that are available, especially trained staff, uh, in the upcoming months. Bill, if I could wave a magic wand and I could uh, get the Canadian Association of Retired Persons in a room with uh, Premier Ford, Prime Minister Trudeau, sit down uh, together, what would the message be? What would you say that uh, is needed immediately to help when it comes to long-term care during the pandemic? We'd say two things. The first is we have to start concentrating on looking after people in their homes, in their community, more a small option uh, care and not trying to put uh, band-aids and, and renovations on large facilities or building new large facilities. Home care and community care is going to be the key. Once we've done that, we still have to make sure, because we do still have uh, uh, hundreds of, of large residential care homes, we have to make sure the money is there for renovations and for staff support, and that has to happen now, immediately, not next year, not next budget. Bill, appreciate the time with us as always. Uh, thanks so much. I'm sure we'll talk down the road. I'm sure we will. Thanks, Jeff. Bill Van Gorder, Chief Policy Officer for the Canadian Association of Retired Persons, on yesterday's uh, throne, throne speech as it applies to LTC, long-term care. When it comes to the throne speech, we've talked this hour about how it affects your family and their finances, what, if anything, it does for long-term care homes. But how does business, how does business feel about what they heard yesterday? Let's welcome in Jocelyn Bamford. She's with the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Business and joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey there, Jocelyn. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Your press release called yesterday's throne speech tone deaf. How so? Well, we have seen what's happened when you offshore manufacturing. We saw in the pandemic that we didn't have proper PPE for our frontline workers. We didn't have enough gowns and gloves. We didn't have enough ventilators for a hospital. Um, and so, you know, we think there's a great opportunity to really bring back manufacturing because we think that we're vulnerable in all sorts of areas, not just in the medical field, because we've allowed, not only allowed manufacturing to go offshore, we've pushed it out. And we, we pushed it out primarily in Ontario because of the Green Energy Act. And the Green Energy Act had small to medium-sized manufacturers pay three times the rate of electricity 
so much so that businesses had a lot of businesses didn't have a choice. They couldn't afford to stay here. And one of businesses in our coalition moved and saved $400,000 a year in electricity costs. So we're not competitive. And it's not just electricity. It's carbon tax. And it's now the clean fuel standards that's coming down. So it's death by a thousand cuts. And then we saw absolutely nothing to address competitiveness and keeping manufacturing here in Canada. Yeah, when it comes to PPE, is there still a concern there? Because I know the uh, Premier will switch to provincial politics here for a second. Seems like every third day he has been, uh, you know, thanking a real champion of a business for uh, stepping up and, uh, you know, kind of retooling. And, uh, you know, we've seen 3M and other uh, companies with some uh, big announcements in this country when it comes to manufacturing personal protective equipment. Is there still a concern there? Well, we haven't seen um, any uh, details on the number of ventilators that were ordered. There were some large contracts that were given, and they were given to even folks that didn't have manufacturing here in Canada. So as a, not only as a manufacturer, but as a citizen, I'd like to understand where we are in the delivery of those ventilators. And, and it's not just in the medical uh, device area. There's lots of other ways that we are, are vulnerable in supply chains by not supporting um, manufacturing. When I mean not supporting, I'm saying we're not asking for them to write us a check because we're fundamentally against that. We think that governments should create an environment where everybody can compete effectively. And we have to compete against products that come from other places in the world that don't have the environmental protection, don't have the carbon tax, um, and don't have the cost involved. So that's what we have to compete against. So we'd like to see a real understanding of the competitive landscape in, in globally and how we stack up because it's too expensive to operate a business here. And it's not just labor costs. That A lot of us can absorb that. We can't absorb the carbon tax, the clean fuel standards, the electricity. And what is stunning to us is they're taking this re- failed green energy policy in Ontario, and they want to roll it across the country. And we've seen this movie. We know how it ends. It ends with job losses and manufacturers leaving, and companies like mine, who who employ 92 people, having to pay three times the North American rate for electricity. So, you know, we need to get serious if we want to bring manufacturing back to make sure we're not piling on additional taxes so that they can't compete. I want to also ask you, because part of your press release as well uh, indicated some concern over the amount of spending that is going on by the uh, federal government. And back to the uh, throne speech here, I'm sure there are Canadians that are concerned about the spending, but Jocelyn, there's also Canadians that are very concerned about uh, their family and their health, uh, both their physical health and, of course, financial health as well in uh, getting through this time in this uh, pandemic. Uh, how do you balance those two concerns, do you think, about you know being fiscally responsible but making sure that everybody is cared for during this time? Yeah, and there's nobody that cares more for their employees than the small to medium-sized manufacturers and businesses because those people are our lifeblood, they're our family. We want to make sure they're healthy. And we worked through the entire pandemic because manufacturing was deemed essential. We made sure everybody had proper PPE. We, we, we reconfigured how we did business to make sure nobody got sick. Um, and, and Knockwood, we were able to successfully do that. And what, you know, what was best for, uh, for our employees and ourselves was getting back to work. You need 
I've noticed that our employees seem to be very happy that they have their regular structure, and I'm happy that I'm back to work and and we didn't miss any work. So we think that you can open up, even with pandemic, with proper protection, you can open up the economy and get people back to work. Now, how do you do that? We have the ability in Canada. We have the cleanest natural resources. We could use, uh, get our projects approved and get our clean, liquefied natural gas out to the world. And we could have uh, countries like China to come off coal. So not only could we have prosperity in our country, but we could help the world have a cleaner planet. And that would be a win-win. And I, for the life of me, can't understand why we can't get those projects going. And manufacturing and the resource sector are the second and third GDP contributors to our economy. You just have to look at GDP by industry to see that is true. And they are so interconnected. On my little street in Scarborough, we have four companies that make parts and pieces for the resource sector. They are so interconnected. So if we could get our projects approved, not only could we get investment into Canada, but we could get our workers back to work and we could have prosperity and we could help the the, the entire world have a cleaner planet. And it, that's a win-win. So it's beyond me why we wouldn't be doing that. All right. I got less than a minute, but I wanted to ask you, too, about the promise of one million jobs, one million new jobs uh, added. A lot of people are saying that uh, there's no details uh, there. It uh, lacked any sort of clarity uh, how that was going to happen, where those were going to come from. Yeah, and, and, and we had the same promises in Ontario. They said there was going to be all of these green new jobs, and they never materialized. And with, and that's what I'm concerned about. This is going to be the same. So w- what we need is we need a solid strategy on competitiveness and keeping jobs here in Canada. Because the reason we started this coalition is the easy thing would have been for us to just pick up and leave. The hard thing is to stay and fight. And we're staying and fighting not only for, for our company, but for our employees and their families as well. So we need to get serious about uh, bringing jobs back to Canada, high-paying, high-skilled jobs that can give people the middle-class lifestyle to which they, they uh, many of them came to Canada for. Got to leave it there for now. Jocelyn, appreciate the time as always, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much. Have a wonderful day. Jocelyn Bamford with the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Business And thanks for listening to the podcast. Just a reminder that you can listen live weekday afternoons from 1 to 3 Eastern at 640toronto.com. Find us on Spotify. Just search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or, of course, download us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.